calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Heaven's Alive, it's Podcast 275. This is IGN, my name is Chris Tilly, and this week I'm joined by Gav. Alright. And Rory, who's hey. not, he's not been around for a week or two. I was on my, I was on my Easter break. Yeah. Well, don't you call it a vacation it where you come it from? Fast. You say Easter break, we're not at school Easter anymore, break. Rory, you know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I still ask when I have to go to the bathroom, so I would consider it school. <laughs> like prison. Yeah. That's why I wanted to be more like prison. So we normally kick off by saying what we've been up to. So what have, what have you been up to on your Easter break? Um, well, as people who listen to the podcast know, uh, a lot of us are engaged in a bit of a fitness challenge. Uh, so I was off crisps and junk food and all that kind of stuff for Lent, which yeah. was excruciatingly hard. So on Easter, basically, anything goes. Okay. It was it was mad. I ate double stuffed Oreos. I ate crisps. <laughs> I ate chocolate. I ate three eggs. I ate a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's to the point where it was disgusting. To the point that if you look up the word mad in the dictionary now, it's a picture of you eating those Shoveling things. Shoveling it into my face. In That's food. how insane it was. Mm. It was really bad. Uh, now it's out of my system. But what so if I'm, someone I'm hasn't been listening to the podcast and doesn't know what your fitness challenge is? Then I will explain it to them now. Yeah, briefly. Okay, yeah. very briefly. Very Go. Briefly. So, um, a lot of us are engaged in the Chris Pratt Challenge, <laughs> which took place, um, it started a couple months ago. started December 12th. It was meant to start. My goodness. Okay, okay, I'm behind. Um, basically, uh, we had six months or so leading up to when Jurassic Park was going to be released. Can I do this? Because you're doing a shit job. What do you it. mean I'm We doing... had six months to the day. We started six months to the day when Jurassic World was coming out. And the idea was that Chris Pratt got in shape for Guardians six months to the day before he started filming. So he had six months to get in shape. So we tried to see, or we're trying to see, how in shape we can get in six months. Yeah. With varying results yeah we're a th- we're a two-thirds of the way there now <laughs> i've not seen much of a difference in anyone well, i've I gotten see, fatter i see I you at the gym on, i yeah. see you at the gym I quite see a you lot at the gym more that's the difference <laughs> yeah trying harder uh well i don't really go that often yeah i i did it for a couple of days yeah no you're still doing it though <laughs> not really everyone is looking everyone is looking slightly better except for me like and we actually had an email on rebel base the other day calling me fat tattoo guy <laughs> So yeah. that's done nothing for my self-esteem, to be honest. So. Oh. But it'll yeah. be interesting if you see. Um, I think a lot of us took before photos. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
I didn't so do I, that. Yeah. I mean, that's like an incentive to stick with it, right? Because when you take that before photo, you know, you oh, know, shit, you're gonna yeah. have to post an after one. Did you yeah. push your belly out in the before I, photo? I yeah. thought about it. I thought about pushing it out, uh, oiling myself up with the, the turkey baster. You know, making myself look as no, repulsive you want to do that. Want to do that. No, but oh, that's afterwards, that's afterwards. right? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll get the, I'll, yeah. didn't get use the grease, so I still got it. Um, I thought about that, but then of course. People are gonna see the before photo as well. So I didn't want to be, I wanted to like not look bad and then look really good. Not look like a gremlin. Thing is, I've, look I've like got a Super no Saiyan. problem exposing myself in public. Like I don't no, mind being naked in public, way. but I don't, I just don't want it to be, I don't want people to look at the before and after and just go, hmm. Well, that's that's it. That's why you want to actually like put some stuff, <laughs> yeah, and I, put I, some work into I it. I think the idea is for us to show Chris Pratt, yeah, the achievement of each person, and let him decide who's best. Although we've not approached the film studio yeah. or Chris Pratt himself, we've just gone off and done this. I reckon we'll just just tweet it. But Maverick, to, to be honest, I, I think more yeah. of it is rather than I think that idea is kind of gone. But I, I think it's really interesting just to see. Okay, left your own devices as a normal regular guy. How in shape can you get in six months when you have to put up with like work and yeah, shit totally. Like that. But like, because I guess he had to get in shape because he was a big guy. Um, before he started getting in shape for Guardians. But you've got a professional sort of trainer and stuff like that. And Plus, it's part of your job. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, tied it's into literally it. your job to yeah, get training. in shape, otherwise you lose your job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas we won't. Won't we? Unless, well, unless we become too <laughs> fat that we can't get into the, the studio to do videos. I am on my way. If we have to roll us in here, that might not be good. That happen. <laughs> um, have you been up to anything, Gav, apart from um, hitting the gym and doing some weights and eating healthy. Me and Rich actually did go to the gym together. Mm -hmm. like, do, you, do you go in the morning as well? No, we went in the okay. night. We went in on Friday, no, Thursday evening, the Thursday before Bank Holiday Friday, which is technically a Friday come. night. Mm. But instead of going to the pub, Rich and I decided to go to the gym because we had these like virgin active passes. So we went to like the really plush one in Mayfair where all like the rich people go. No way. It was really good actually. And we did like an hour on weights. Um, and then we did a class with a lady, lovely lady called Marianne, who was just a beautiful, really, really fit lady. Like fit, as in she was really good at yeah. doing athletics and I things. I bet she was good at but, athletics. But <laughs> she then had to contend with me and Rich, who'd already done an hour of the gym doing this like mm. uh, class with her, and like she was pissing herself laughing because we were so mm. shit. What class? Just general like it was called. Or? Amped, not amped, that's a shit game. It was called, I don't know what it was Is called. Is it one of these like, like street fitness? It was or kind like of, yeah. Gangster it was like, weights or it was something. Like lose, like. You'd burn 500 calories, calories in, in 30 minutes by doing this circuit. But I thought it was going to be like a full class, but me and Rich were the only ones who turned up for it. Oh my god. So it, she really sort of hit us hard. Well, you know, that's that's cool. You got the VIP treatment. If, if you were good. in an upmarket gym late at night, did you see John Travolta there? No. Do you know these stories? No, I don't know these stories. Google it. I'm not going to say it here. Okay. <laughs> it's massively libelous, but yeah, he's just been hanging out with dudes he meets late at night in the gym, just asking them what they're doing, and and people have done a selfie. There's, cool. there's a famous selfie that went round about three months ago. Okay. Uh, he he took a selfie with this dude in the gym that he met, <laughs> and it was him without his syrup on, without his wig. So oh, no. it was like, wow, this is what actually it looks like under there, and it was pretty different. Wow, I haven't seen that. I'm surprised you haven't. I need to see that. And then other people have had stories about bumping into him. He's just a really friendly guy. That would yeah. be awesome. That would just make my gym sesh. Would, we, you, would you leave with him? Oh. Yes. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I'd let him, totally I'd let him fly actually. me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about you? What have you been up to? I did go to a very lovely event, actually. Uh, that was on Friday night, but it ran all last week called Letters yeah. Live. Oh, right. Amazing. Which I didn't really know much about, but I got an email about it. And it started in like a pub function room pretty much mm. two years ago with Benedict Cumberbatch and a bunch of his mates um, reading famous letters from the past because it started to become kind of a, a literary industry. They're, they're 
publishing books of great letters yeah. mm-hmm. or kind of lost letters or letters that they think people would be interested in. It's letters of note, isn't it? That's the website yeah. they run it. Yeah. So like I've known about them for a while from their Twitter because they just published these amazing letters mm. now and again. And you like I think a couple of the famous ones. I think there's a Michael, K- a really famous Michael Caine one. Um, there's a re- there's a really famous uh, Spike. Not Jones, not Lee. What's the other Spike? Milligan. Milligan. There's a really famous Spike Milligan one. Uh, and I think the BBC one as well, the, the reject letter for Faulty Towers. Yeah. Like the first time I saw that was on letters. Yeah, that he's got that he's got that framed in his office, yeah. I believe, John Cleese does. Mm. Yeah, and it was great. So uh, you, you don't know what's going to be read out the night you go or okay. what actors are going to be there. I think Ian McKellen did it the night before. Wow. I was there. So I was there. It was um, the main people behind it are, are Benedict Cumberbatch and Louise Brealey, right. who plays the, the young lab technician who's in love with Sherlock. Okay. In Sherlock. Yeah. yeah. And so they did a very touching um, performance over the course of the evening of a series of letters between a soldier in World War Two and his sweetheart back oh, home. Amazing. And that's oh, actually really a book. Cool. There's a book of those letters. Yeah. And that was really lovely and quite tense because you, you just think, oh, is this guy going to die? But it was, they didn't actually say, but then I read the program and the, they, they grew up to be old people. Like they stayed together. Oh, that's, that's cool. Cute. Yeah, that was nice. Um, they were there. Um, uh, Olivia Coleman oh, wow. was there. What did she great. read? She, they, they each came out and did one, one did at a time. Cry? Uh, she was quite awkward. <laughs> uh, she did the funniest one of the night, though. It was a letter from three teenage girls to uh, President Eisenhower uh, <laughs> just after Elvis Presley had been drafted okay. into the army, begging him not to shave off Elvis's sideburns. Oh. And it was really funny. Where do they find funny, these yeah. letters? That's crazy. I, some of the yeah, some of them you think well, it, you know, this was obviously they would have kept all of Churchill's letters or whatever. Yeah. Or if you got a letter from Churchill, you would you would have kept, kept it. it. Exactly. Probably. Others, you, you know, yeah. stuff that was unearthed and stuff yeah. that's only been found recently. Um, Cumberbatch did one from Robert Crumb. Okay. He also performed the letter that Michael Powell wrote to Martin Scorsese after he read the script for Wise Guy, which right. is, became Goodfellas telling him what he thought of it and what you know what was good and what was bad that's, that's pretty cool because he was he was Scorsese's favourite director yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah it was really it was really good fun and, and um, Tom O'Dell was there mm. and he came out and sang three songs over the course of the night about letter writing and letters so that's cool yeah it was, it was really interesting I, I recommend people you know you can go yeah. to that website as you said Letters of Note I'm going to buy the books good gifts good gifts for the folks gift, yeah, it's a good yeah. uh, coffee table book yeah. You, know, yeah. you can just pick it up and or toilet book or toilet Read a I was thinking a bit more of <laughs> glass. It's quite a big yeah. book to fit in your toilet, depending on how big your toilet is. And, and it was in it was in the Freemasons Hall, which I've never been to, which is oh, in Holborn, wow. which is owned by the Freemasons, yeah. and it's kind of weird. Like is that the one that's in a hotel, and they uh, unearthed. I don't think so. Oh, okay, it's right, it's yeah. kind of a grand like a guild hall, yeah. just just on the street there, but. Yeah, like weird signs and yeah. logos all around yeah. and like all weird, you know, different religions. I went, all... The reason I asked is because yeah. I, I went to a Soul Calibur event before and I was held in a Masonic temple, right. which was just in, in a hotel. And when the new owners took over the hotel, smashed through just a wall and inside was just the, this like perfectly preserved wow. Masonic temple. That's and awesome. like when you walk around it, you just look around and you think, a lot of virgins have died in this room. Oh definitely. my word! Like if it feels, you know, when you feel like a bit uneasy about a room, I felt it in that. I still had pictures. I haven't to that though. extent. That's <laughs> yeah, no, terrifying. dude. I think I think the, yeah. my girlfriend said the ladies' toilets. They were like urinals in there because they just don't have ladies' toilets. <laughs> just put a sign on the door of the gents. <laughs> Um, oh wow! Yeah, no, it's quite an experience though. I thoroughly recommend it. There's no, kind of a, a a charm to letters that is lost nowadays, isn't there? You can't really do 
emails live. It made you it doesn't walk, really you like walk, it doesn't have that same kind of like romantic. You feel walked to away it. wanting to write a letter. Yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. I'm really, thinking. It really have made like a, you a wax seal, you know, those kind of like old style ones. That would be cool. Yeah. I wish I had a stamp, one of those wax stamp things. Yeah, I don't know what I would do with it. I would probably start sending a lot of letters. <laughs> Oh, so I think just be like pub at lunch. I think people should write to Rory to yeah. start Please. with care of uh, IGN yeah, office. Yeah. I'm only. That's really the underlining point here. <laughs> Equally, if anyone out there is a Freemason, uh, me, Gav, and Rory are up for joining. <laughs> so just give us a yeah, shout. Yeah. We can join the Brotherhood. Yeah, let's do it. A friend of mine was going to jo- like got an invitation to join because he runs a pub in Nottingham, um, but he's. Uh, I don't think that he's gay and I don't think they have very nice right. feelings about homosexuals. Mm, that might I don't know if I'm wrong. Well, if you're a Mason, please write in and don't uh, kill me. Heavily libelous cast in yeah. now become Excellent. Uh, Rory, what's been making you happy this week? Um, a lot of things have been making me happy this week. And Specifically, what's written yeah, down yeah, on this paper? You, you can't. You kind of have. You kind of, kind of taking your time. Is over this, this under the section of what's blowing our minds? I don't know anymore. Is what? this under? Of course it is. Okay. Okay. I like that it changes its name every week, though. That's good. Uh, well, this is really intense, guys. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I down so I, okay, many so notes. I have done. This, this is a whole thing. Okay. <laughs> so they um they basically have put out some teasers for the brand new Call of Duty game. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was doing some research about this and it just spiraled out of control. It okay. was crazy. So it all started with an update to Black Ops 2 where players realized that some of the advertisements in the game had been right. changed. Um, so some of the posters and things like that for okay. in-game products had been changed to include a little Snapchat logo, right. which of course, if you scan with your phone, would mean that you subscribe to like a Call of Duty Snapchat Yeah, lots of account. brands are using it to engage with people. Young people. Like, yeah. um, I missed it Dude, because- Dude, you're like 21. I hate Snapchat, I hate Snapchat. And I am 23, sir, coming 24. <laughs> um, so the first video, it's basically just 10 second videos of really weird, they're kind of like, hallucinogenic trippy videos this mm. one was like of a forest and there's a guy just saying you know listen to my voice and all this stuff and of course everyone's dissecting it looking for any possible clues yeah um so for example the first one people saw was like the shadows of the trees they kind of make a silhouette of um three in roman numerals so everyone's right. like well that's it it's going to be black ops three um and of course because they're kind of trippy and hallucinogenic uh the narrative of the first black ops game you were playing as mason and you were getting interrogated and electrocuted and it was all kind of trippy flashbacks and numbers flashing up um so a lot of people think that that it's relating to you know that similar style and it's going to follow that game but then this is where the twist happens guys the other possibility is that it could be a continuation of world of war so it could be world of war 2 now the account the snapchat account was changed from call of duty to dr salim okay okay now, people started speculating, thinking that he's a new character inside the games, right? As you Just would. imagine me with a coffee pot, uh, some cigarettes. I'm yeah. at the office, you know, there's a ceiling fan, yeah. silhouetted. Yeah. I have an interior monologue. It's very dramatic. Um, and they release a new video t- that talking about a frozen forest. Okay. Okay. Um, you sound like a crazy person right now. I just you, want to point you, out. It's, everyone's trying to work it out. It's really okay. fun. I mean, you can see why they do this as a marketing campaign. Yeah, because yeah. It gets people excited about the franchise. Mm. Um, now, the Battle of the Bulge in World War II yeah. took place in the frozen forest of Belgium. Mm-hmm. Okay. So people are already speculating, saying this is going to be tied into that. Um, 
Now, this is when I did a little bit of research mm. on my own, okay? <laughs> so there were a lot of birds in the video, birds flying, <laughs> birds pecking. I know how insane I sound. Uh, birds. So I started looking up information and information on Dr. Salim. I had no idea who this was. Okay. Sure. Um, Why would you? I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, Dr. Salim is an Indian ornithologist and sometimes referred to as the Birdman of India. Holy shit. I know. This is when, you know, everything everything starts clicking into place. Okay. The wheels are moving. Um, but aside from that, he seemed to live a pretty normal life, studied birds in all the different places all over the world. Yeah. Um, until I noticed one article saying that he got funding for migration studies to examine the Kiasaner forest disease, which is an anthropod bone virus. All right, you but, lost me now. But he ran into political difficulties with allegations made about CIA involvement. <laughs> so... Is so, this all your own research? No, mo well, most of it is communities. And then uh, I started putting together about him and the birds and the bird man yeah. and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably completely wrong. Um, now, here is my conclusion. I believe the videos are someone suffering with this uh, Kianosaur bird disease. Bird disease. Okay. Um, and the person talking is either Dr. Salim or someone trying to calm him down. Because okay. he's saying, you know, imagine you're somewhere safe, imagine a forest. And the disease is said to induce headaches and migraines and you know, pains and things like that. Yeah. So it co possibly could be someone suffering with it. Um, but in terms of whether it's World of War II or Black Ops 3, uh, if it is tied with the CLA, CIA, that obviously was informed until like halfway through World obviously, War II. Obviously, obviously, everyone knows that. And I do now that I'm on Wikipedia. Um, so I believe that it is Black Ops 3, but okay. maybe similar to uh, the first Black Ops, which is taking place maybe towards the, the end 60s. of World War II and maybe jumping back and forth and things like that. Is, so that is my conclusion. I rest my case. Is anyone still listening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was intriguing. I was yeah. I was so roped into this. I was jotting down all these notes. I was kind of with you for a while. Like the bird disease threw you in. I could see your face just went to the... I guess, like, you know, viral stuff is quite good. There was a lot of stuff with The Last of Us when they started releasing stuff about the clickers and things like yeah. that. But this, this is very elaborate, this is. It is. It is. I like it. But it sounds... Yeah, I think it, it was kind of cool for me because I was literally like piecing these together. I was like on articles and then I'd see something about birds and I'd be like, wait, birds? Birds? And <laughs> like I'm piecing it together when of course it's just made so any idiot can work out exactly what's You've going on. You've gone down the pigeonhole. Exactly. You are our Sherlock Holmes. I'm trying to be. I'm failing, but I'm trying. Have you got a favourite viral sort of campaign that you've seen in the past? <sighs> what is... That's a really good question. I liked I liked all the stuff they did for Cloverfield. Yeah, I thought really that was good. really interesting. But um, I've got a really weird thing with it. Like I don't know, like small glimpses of giant creatures really freak me out. It's like, way more I, terrifying than the actual. You better not look in my pants then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this like I just I don't know Godzilla and giant creatures like that. Like I'm generally afraid of. So oh, the Cloverfield yeah, they could, stuff, they're, they're out there. They're awful. They're out there. So the Cloverfield stuff really did freak me out. I think the, the Dark Knight stuff was pretty good. The um, I believe in Harvey Dent stuff mm. that was really really good. Um, the Blair Witch stuff is just incredible. Like I was obsessed with the Blair Witch stuff, but because I think I was like 16 when that came out, I think so, and I just had the internet, so I was just 
get again as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. The Blair Witch and those, and I, I, you know, completely believed. It. I thought it was real. Like, ah, okay. Um, that's just didn't know any better. Wario. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a yeah. weirdo! I'm just studying the uh, Indian Birdman. But, uh, I didn't believe in the Blair Witch Project. It is cool when it's a mystery or yeah. it's. Uh, a history that they can build, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, are there any that you particularly like that have kind of got you going, That's what Rory? I was just thinking about. There's none that really are coming to mind at the minute. But, mm. uh, I mean, I think it's just part of the, the age we're in now. It's just now that everyone has smartphones and all this information is so accessible. Yeah. Just these kind of unconventional approaches uh, to games, marketing, film marketing, it's just they seem much more popular these yeah. days. Just because information just travels so quickly. Mm. Uh, sometimes you know, little splashes like this can be blown up into much bigger yeah. things instead of just saying, here's the game, here's yeah. the big announcement. People like to work things out and progress mm. their yeah, own yeah, ways. Yeah. That's why one of the films I'm most excited for this year is Tomorrowland. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's the new Brad Bird film, mm. it's Disney, there's something to do with the theme parks and it's time travel maybe, sci-fi, but it's been quite mysterious and the trailers have been very much teasers rather yeah. than trailers. Yeah. I guess the most recent trailer showed you a lot more, didn't it, when you saw mm. Hugh Laurie? But, I like that. I like I like that there can be an element of mystery in a blockbuster that I really don't know what I'm I'm letting Definitely, myself in yeah. for. And that you know they've tried it with Cloverfield and Super Eight and and mm. with you know mixed results. But it's hard in this day and age to release something that people don't know everything about. Exactly. Yeah. And I have to say, like with Cloverfield, because I was so terrified of just seeing these tiny little glimpses of the monster behind the building. When you actually see the whole thing, I was just really disappointed yeah I actually had the same reaction because yeah. in the when they're going away in the helicopter isn't it at the mm. end and you can see the whole thing and you're like oh I guess what did I expect you know yeah. it's just a big monster but it yeah. was kind of disappointing because uh, ultimately whatever is in your imagination is going to be mm. way more terrifying than you know what they can create yeah. mm. I don't know if that's saying something very strange for my imagination oh one but, thing uh, actually I've just thought about that was really really good was the David Ted talk oh no not the David Ted talk the um, Guy Pierce Ted talk yeah. that came out for Prometheus um, where he, uh, where he's given like a talk as if he is actually Wayne Newton. No, Wayne Newton. What's his name? Who's he playing? It? I've forgotten the guy's yeah. name. When he plays it like that guy in it, like I thought you were gonna say you only see glimpses of him yeah. in the shadows or something that during was really the TED good. talk. Yeah, he, he tells the story of Pythagoras as a yeah. TED talk and then kind of hints at what they might have achieved. That's right. Yeah. Um, my friend actually worked on that. They spent really, a year yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and for ages he was telling me he was doing something that I'd be interested in for the yeah. first time but he couldn't tell me what it was and then they were going to launch it at Comic Con and then he didn't go it took me ages and some people tell you that and I don't always believe them yeah. that it's going to be something I'm interested in but then when it finally was that I was like wow Yeah. and I saw him the other day actually and said that I thought it was better than the film that's good his viral was just yeah. more I just thought it was cleverer that's the thing like in the we, whole movie when I saw this Call of Duty thing like I think that's a really interesting way of using technology and things like that but then I've heard like uh, just, I think I can't remember. I, was, I think I was in a pub and I was listening to marketing guys talk, and they were talking about Jurassic World. They were obviously pitching for some Jurassic World yeah. thing. Yeah. And I heard one of them say to the other guy, "I've got a really good idea for what we'll do is when the trailer comes up, we'll have we'll use the vibrate function on people's phones, so it will vibrate like when the dinosaur hits the floor, their phones will vibrate every time they're on this site." And I was remember thinking, actually, like, oh, no, it's not. I want to turn around and be like, cool. I would never go back to that website again if that happened. Like, absolute <laughs> maniacs doing some of these marketing campaigns. I think that would be cool. <laughs> Why do you like that? I think that would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> it's so intrusive. I don't need that. Uh, well, okay. The, I think this is the difference between intrusive and yeah. kind of gimmicky. Yeah. Uh, I think, in, well, maybe intrusive. Yeah, yeah but this is both intrusive, intrusive and gimmicky. I don't know. I think that would be cool. Right. I, I, I like those kind of out-of-the-box ideas. Okay. Not to the point where, you know... Uh, 
you two have an album on my phone and I don't know how it got there. I think that is intrusive. I don't like yeah. that. If Bono went round everyone's house in the night and put it on their phones. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like Father like Christmas. Like Father Christmas, yeah. <laughs> yeah down people woke up, they could just hear him struggling to get a USB in. He's like, he, he can't put, get this in. He put on the outfit he wore for the fly video and just flew, <laughs> flew from house to house. Um, Other cool stuff has been happening. Well, well I'll jump in because right. there's something I meant to mention about... Trying to keep secrets on the internet. Yeah. And it's been quite interesting this week in that uh, they announced in December that Christoph Waltz was playing Franz Oppenhauser. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oppenheiser. Oberhauser. Oberhauser. I knew Oberhauser. I knew the name was there. Um, in Spectre. And then everyone said, ah, no, he's not. He's playing Blofeld. Yeah. And so that's kind of been it. And, and the trailer dropped and we did the Rewind Theatre and we were like, yeah, he's playing Blofeld. Uh, this week, GQ released an, an interview in which they asked him, yeah. are you playing Blofeld? Uh, Christoph Waltz said, that is absolutely untrue, but in a in a more sort of German accent. Yeah. Uh, that rumour started on the internet, and the internet is a pest. Ooh. Ooh. The name of my character is Franz Oberhauser. So... Effectively, that's him putting it to bed. But, but do you believe him? Because I don't believe him at I, all. I really do, you know. Do you? I think because I as well. I just think they've, you know, in that teaser, they they set up that he's playing Oberhauser. Oberhauser has like a bit, you know, has a basis in the books. He's a, an actual character that they haven't created. Why then would they add him in as this Blofeld character? In you know, unless he is going to take over the kind of stuff that Blofeld did. But never be called Blofeld. He's going to be called Oberhauser. So maybe it's like a mishmash of everything mm. together. I kind of believe him. Like, why would they go to such strength? Because it just failed for Star Trek and, like, failed really publicly as well, where people just hated the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch was saying that he wasn't for ages playing Khan. And then in the film, it's like Khan. And it's not a reveal because everyone goes, yeah, all right. Mm. Yeah. I thought that's exactly what we thought. But what? Surely they wouldn't do that again. I mean, are, are people thinking that it, if they're thinking that he is going to play. Uh, Blofeld. Blofeld. Thank you. Um, that it's going to be like an origin story. Is that it? That he's that he is playing who he says he's playing, but it's yeah. going to lead to him being. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, guess okay. so yeah. I think that's what I would speculate. It is that mm. that he becomes Blofeld for whatever reason, or Blofeld's the code name that he has yeah. in the movie, or his character has, or he is. Blofeld, but no one uses the name. But then maybe he isn't Blofeld. Like I'm trying to yeah. think. Well, I'm trying to think if he's if he's playing with semantics here. Yeah. Like maybe we have to. Okay. Uh, well, this is I, what he said. He said, uh, "I'm definitely playing like blah blah Franz blah." Yeah, yeah. Hands over. I'm not. He said the name Blofeld. of my character is Franz. Oberhausen. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, seems like a very oddly specific. But it's way just to like word. it's kind Blofeld of Blofeld is the, is the head of Spectre. Yeah. They've just got the rights back to Spectre. The company that make news. <laughs> They've just got the rights back to Blofeld. Yeah. I just can't believe they would wouldn't do it yeah but i'd almost prefer if you're right and that yeah. they don't because as you say it didn't feel right with star trek it didn't no. really work yeah. and it's just I'm, I'm writing a feature at the moment which okay. will have a similar theme to this conversation but mm. it's it's you know it's hollywood right to be doing this obviously they did it with marion cotillard yeah. in in uh, the dark knight rises where um she was playing miranda tate was it that's right yeah and it was Talia Al Ghul. That's right. And she said no, and they asked her point blank. And yeah. She gave a similar answer. She yeah. said, "No, I'm not playing a character from the comics. My yeah. the character I play has never appeared in the comics. Yeah. That's just a lie to the press." Yeah, this could be a lie to the press. Like, and is it good that the studios are applying pressure to actors to literally lie in every interview they do? I doing? feel like so. But then I guess with uh, Marion Cotillard, she with that the thing that struck me so oddly about that is 
when you watch Dark Knight Rises, her character, if she is in Talia al Ghul, is like just such a big waste getting Marion Cotillard, like Oscar yeah. winning Marion Cotillard in. Like, yeah, why yeah. would you do that for a part? She she's barely in it. But then when she, you know, when she, the reveal happens, it's it's a big thing. Mm. And I think that I don't have such a problem with her lying because of that because. I think she shut down the Taliago rumours and I kind of forgot about that until right to the end where it's revealed and I was mm. back on board then. Whereas with, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, he's in it throughout. I think also one of the worst ones in the, in Dark Knight Rises is just the horrible bit at the end where uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes to pick up his, mm. like, the thing that Batman has left him and uh, he goes, oh, it might oh, be under yeah. my other name, Hans Zero ID. He's mm. like, you should use another name. It's really nice. Robin, <laughs> everyone's like looking at the camera, winking. Hey, <laughs> Robin, it's Robin, <laughs> and like that. I don't know. For me, that felt a lot more forced. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's difficult. I can see the problem that we've created ourselves by working for an inter- a site like this for reading them. You <laughs> yeah. know, we want news all the time. We want to know everything about a film before it comes out, yeah. Yeah. and therefore the studios have got to go to, to greater and greater lengths to keep surprises and secrets. So yeah. I, I can see how tough it is. Uh, if you do want to surprise audiences with something yeah. or, or approach a character that has been on screen before in a different way, you know, they wanted to try and do something different with Khan. They wanted to, that if this is Blofeld, they're trying to do it in a different way to yeah. how he's appeared before. But because we can't get enough of it, we just kind of, we spoil it for ourselves almost. I think that's a good point as well. And maybe at some point, you know, the site will kind of evolve a little bit because I think people are starting to get sick of just knowing every single thing that comes out. And well, I mean, there's some people like, even with Star Wars, who are refusing to... You know, find any updates about the story yeah. or anything like that because they. And I can respect that if they want to go and be totally surprised it, and not. Yeah. Know you might feel that people stories. are like that, but they're not clicking any less on the stories when yeah. when you run them. But I mean, I th- hopefully because we need jobs. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to go into spoiler territory. I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking about examples to talk about in the article. Like yeah. Seven was a great example. No yeah. one knew that Kevin Spacey was in Seven. They kept his name out of the credits, and that yeah. was a great reveal. And that was like two thirds of the way through the film. Yeah. There was another great one when I was a kid. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. No one knew that Sean Connery was the king that would appear at the end. It was just a cameo. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But it felt, you know, the whole audience went, ah, yeah. the king's back. And it's Sean yeah. Connery, the most Sean king-like Con. bloke you can imagine. Yeah. And We talked about them the other day, like Dust Till Dawn. Like, the first time I ever saw Dust Till Dawn, I thought it was a, like an, a Quentin Tarantino Road movie. Mm. And when the reveal happens and vampires start kicking shit out of everyone, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I watched it like late <laughs> at night. Now the DVD has vampires on the front yeah. and bats on the front. So like, there's no way that you can go into that movie not knowing yeah. it's a vampire movie. Yeah. I know. So, so can you or can't you keep a secret? Like, I don't really want to talk about it, but there was a film that came out at Christmas that had a really good okay, surprise. Yeah, yeah. And... They managed to keep it. They sort of still have. Yeah, they sort of still have. So uh, let's carry on with that. I think it's kind of more difficult as well for, like films, example, like Spectre, where they literally, announcing the cast is a press event. It's yeah. streamed live. Yeah. It's such a huge ordeal. So it's much more difficult for films like that to keep yes, that's bigger thing, but, secrets like but this. But they did that right. themselves. They didn't sure, have sure. to Well, that's that. true. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. true. It's kind of like, it's kind of like parents... Uh, lying to their kids about mm. Santa Claus. Yeah. And if, if they ask, it's like, is it real? The, the, you have to tell them no. And you are lying to them, but it's for their own good. You just compared Christoph Waltz to, to, Waltz to Santa Claus. <laughs> now that's a movie I've seen. Christoph Waltz is Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. That's a terrible impression. Uh, well, Coming it's down be, the chimney with Bono. It's going to be interesting anyway. We'll see how this one rumbles on, but I yeah. guess yeah. we'll find out come October, November time. Yeah. Excellent. Gavin? Mad Men is back. Woo. Thankfully, I'm, I'm so I was so excited for the first episode of the well, it's the eighth 
episode. Yeah, it's eighth episode. Eighth episode, but they split the final season into two parts. So it's mm. the first episode since they've been back. And have you have you seen it? No. It's a great episode. Because it's on I, tonight, isn't it? I won't spoil it. But we, we, we get access to things. Uh, I've not had access to it yet. Uh, no, I'll be watching it this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Is it's, it good? Uh, it's really, really good. It's, I don't want to like spoil anything, good. but it's, it's, it's perfect sort of, you know, you can see that time has passed in a really, really fun way. Don is still like, he sort of was kind of losing it towards the end. Mm. Uh, he seems like he's a little bit, a tiny bit back on track, mm. um, but all the characters, Every, all the, like the best characters have their own really really cool scene in the first episode, and like it only hit me as I was watching it. One, how hard it is to go back to watching something week by week, mm. which is solid, um, because yeah, I, I saw there so was much. three minutes left on uh, the episode that I was watching, and I was just so sad. But also, it hit me that Mad Men is actually going to be over. Yeah, it's coming not... coming to the end. Yeah, and I'm um, not excited for it to end. I just don't want it to end. No. But you know what? It'd be good for it to stop before it, it peters out or becomes yeah. something you don't like anymore. I guess so. Because anything that goes on too long does that. I, I think so. I think keep them wanting more. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of things being released in one, though, what is released this weekend in one massive Well, I was going to say what, what also ended yeah. this week oh. was Better Call Saul. Okay. As well. Did anyone around the table watch that? No. Didn't. Unbelievable. So I won't yeah. talk I know, about I know, it. I know. It's yeah. so bad. Uh, I haven't watched the last episode yet. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed it, though. I watched the first three episodes and then stopped. And I don't know why I stopped because mm. I was having a good time watching it. Yeah. Uh, the episode with Mike you saw, did mm. you? Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah. That was that was the one where I was like, this is Breaking Bad good now. And I stopped. But I stopped. Yeah. Watching after that. Why like, would you stop after that one? But there was something in me that just, I'm not compelled to watch it, even though I was enjoying it. Like, I think yeah. Mike McKean plays an amazing character in it. Yeah. It's so good. It's got off to a reasonably slow start okay. but then again I feel like Breaking Bad got off to a reasonably yeah. slow start yeah. so it's got, to lay the ground it's got time yeah. like and it's that. totally slightly different but mm. uh, no you're right there is something coming this week though and it's Daredevil boom Daredevil Ooh. which should be dropping on Netflix at about the same time as this podcast drops on well, iTunes don't tell that, yeah. then well no so listen to this and then watch that <laughs> watch this then watch that um, I've seen the first two episodes yeah uh, it's weird I watched it with Rich and Dan but we haven't spoken about it I know we're going to do a superhero <laughs> show on it a little bit, but yeah. like, uh, I thought it was good without it blowing my mind. Right. Okay. I heard Are you everyone, a Daredevil fan though? Uh, I like the character, yeah. but it's not one of my favourites. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was. I, f- I felt like it was on a level with kind of uh, Arrow, the start of Arrow. Oh but no, a, don't say that. A, you know, a bit better, but like, I think you know, there's certain a lot of characters haven't been introduced yet. Okay, it's only yeah. episode two. Um, He's just what I thought he'd be. Okay. You know, he's quite likable without being like hugely charismatic. Or have they kind of established anything with the kingpin yet? Or no, no, okay. no. I don't well, want to. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, okay, but he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't sorry, even sorry. shown up yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's but, good. It's it's a solid. It's a really solid start. And I guess excellent. I've still got eight episodes to go. Okay. So it's just yeah. like the first, you know, the first bit of a movie, really. But yeah. tonally, it's 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 nicely done. It's it's very dark. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Every time I go back to the trailers because obviously I was out so I didn't get mm. to take a look at the first episodes but it just looks so dark and I mean yeah. I guess uh, really dark. it does really kind of play stuff into goes the, down in the yeah. comics like some, Daredevil for me grim, like grim stuff. when I was growing up Daredevil was, I, was my Batman like I I, yeah. I much preferred him to Batman I just think he's an interesting character and I think the best thing about Daredevil is not only is his alter ego really interesting yeah. Matt Murdock 
is one of the most interesting sort of alter egos mm. of a superhero I think that there is in comics. And I, I like a lot of the time, like, it's sort of like the Bender's run. Mm. You don't see Dale L for ages. Um, yeah. Sort of the courtroom stuff because it's a really really cool mechanic to have a courtroom thing because courtroom dramas are pretty interesting yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you do them both yeah, uh, exactly. enough justice, then there's no reason why like they can't be as big as each other. Like, exactly. Yeah. The, the alt- you don't really see that in a lot of uh, superhero no. films where the alter ego is as big as a, a character no. as the the actual superhero yeah. themselves. It's interesting, isn't it? I feel weird talking about though having only seen two. Maybe we will revisit it next week when everyone will have seen it. So let us know what you guys think. Um, IGN underscore UK feedback, IGN.com. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, Gav, one other bit of comic book news that's That's blown our minds or actually just reaffirmed something that we knew. (laughs) The Russo brothers being confirmed to direct Infinity Wars uh, 1 and 2, which is awesome. So... In the in ten years' time, they will have directed <laughs> five of the biggest movies of all time. That's right, like five two hundred, three hundred million dollar movies yeah. in a row. Two Mad. TV directors. Yeah, it's also. I mean, it's, it's really, that's really, really good. cool. I don't want to be trusted with that amount of of responsibility. That is terrifying. I, I'm glad that they're going. If they're directing Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, I'm glad that it's them then going on to do Infinity War because it almost seems like that's yeah. a continuation of that sort yeah, of storyline. Yeah. So yeah. it seems logical for them to carry that keep on. it consistent mm-hmm. yeah I, I i listened to a really long interview with them uh the other day yeah from, from a while back now okay but it was when when captain america came out and it was very interesting them talking about how long the pitch process was yeah for them to prove to marvel that they could do it mm. and then once they had it how it was like a year with marvel developing yeah. uh the 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 captain america story with mm. them to make sure it worked. Wow. And he said it was the toughest thing we've ever done, but brilliant because by the time it got shooting the film, mm. we knew everything we were doing. Oh, there wasn't man. a question in our mind. Yeah. And that's just brilliant. Like it's like a training, like an mm. assault course that, that Marvel put you through. Yeah, that's and good. I guess there's an element of, you know, it's our, our way or, you know, you're, yeah. you're off like what happened with Edgar Wright on Ant-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Russos just obviously have like, whatever they're doing is what Marvel wants yeah. to do. And so... Well, they've, they had to work with Dan Harmon, and I can't imagine that was very easy. So I'm sure they probably prepared for that quite well. That's why I always find it strange when a, a big film, like one of these superhero films, flops. Yeah. You just, because there's so much work that goes in, and it's so such a, a timely process when yeah. you feel like everything, you know, films don't move forward unless the script is 100%, you know, mm. happy mm, They it. do. Films move into production before the script's finished. Maybe uh, it's just yeah. the way they're, they're working. Ryan Reynolds was talking about this with, like, Green Lantern. I was going to say Green Lantern, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, mean, they didn't even get the script, right? I thought I thought it was something like they yeah, well, moving forward with the I mean, if you look at most of the, the bad superhero movies, you'll find that the script wasn't finished yeah. or it changed while they were making it. Yeah. You know, that you're... Oh. you're um, what other bad like the original Daredevil? Yeah, uh, Superman Four. I only talk about that because that was on. I was reading about that this week. Um, <laughs> You're always talking about Superman Four. <laughs> it's because uh, it's your Birdman of India. Sam you need to let it go. Yeah. Chris. Sam Ashurst did a did a list of Superman movies, okay. and he like it was almost like in defense of Superman Four. He was right. kind of saying it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Okay, like it's one of the great purely Superman movies because of the message mm. and it was like yeah it's still 
awful. That's so contrary, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he put Man of yeah. Steel above Superman the movie. Oh, yeah, he loves Man of Steel. Yeah, big like, fan. Properly. Big fan of that one. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, with, like, what I was thinking about the Russo brothers, though. Yeah. So I first became aware of them on Community because they, they directed some amazing Community episodes. Sure, like yeah. The Dungeons and Dragons one. Yeah. Um, the Paintball ones, uh, a couple of them. I love the Paintball ones. But if they're doing Civil War and they're going on to do Infinity War, like, there was such a huge thing around Donald Glover being Spider-Man. Mm. Like, they, they wanted Donald Glover to play Spider-Man. If they, and they put Abed from Community in um, Winter Soldier. Yeah. He has a little cameo in it. Yeah. Is it beyond, gonna... like, if they haven't announced who Spider-Man is, is it beyond them to be able to push so hard enough to get Donald Glover on as Spider-Man? Well, as they've said that it's going to be a teenage, a, yeah. a very young Spider-Man, that's the only sticking block. Yeah. Really, I don't think it's, like, the colour of his skin. I think they could easily yeah. mix that up. I just think because they've said everywhere it's that it's a, it's a teenage kid and Donald Glover's about 40. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it? How old is he? About mid-30s, isn't he? He looks young. He looks young. He looks young. But <laughs> he's shaven, just, a baseball cap. And, uh, he's just a bit too old now, I yeah. think. It's a shame. He would he would have been great. He'd been amazing. I wonder how yeah. much sway the directors have with matters like these. Because, I mean, I understand maybe it's like smaller roles, but, you know, yeah. for someone to play Spider-Man, when I it comes to Mar- out of your hands. When it comes to Marvel, the directors don't have a huge amount of say. Even I just Whedon yeah. doesn't yeah. have it. He has a huge amount of a say over the dialogue yeah. and some of the action, but he's told what characters to use. He's told what villains, where yeah. the action scenes need to take place. Wow. And then he has to write the script around that. That's crazy. Again, I was listening to quite a long podcast with him yeah. and it was really interesting. Like That's why I think Wasp is going to become a big character in this universe because okay. he wrote a script, an Avengers script, uh, where Wasp was in it because they weren't getting Scarlett Johansson. Right. So they, and they needed this female character to do this yeah. and that mm-hmm. and that was written and then they got Scarlet just rewrite it like oh, he's just no. being told what to do that's crazy oh. uh, but he's someone that he worked in TV for yeah. you know 20 years so he can he can roll with the punches and just do this stuff and some people yeah. some directors just work better with a confined yeah. amount of what space people you know? do, yeah. it's the opposite of the auteur theory really yeah. this is this is not uh, you know, it's it's Joss Whedon's vision, but this is a, a, a huge company's vision exactly. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever, at some point, be able to get Edgar Wright in, you know, and talk about exactly what happened and why he walked away? Like, do you think he would ever I do that to his career? I don't think he'd want to. No. Be we could get him in. No, not that, but I mean, like, do you think he, he'll ever actually reveal it? It'd be interesting. I mean, he's not the kind of... Per- like, he does talk a lot in the kind of... Almost the same way as Kevin Smith does. And Kevin Smith pretty much tell you everything. I wonder if... I'd really like to know the story. I, I, don't, I think there's an element of him not wanting to burn his bridges there yeah. and vice versa as well. Like, no one's going to slag the other one off right now because no. you never know. There might be something they can work on in the future. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I was excited. All right, what's been annoying us this, this week? Your, what's been peeing us off? Well, there's one straight up at the top, which is mm. probably the worst thing that's happened this week. Is it, though? I actually don't think it is, even though I put it in this category. <laughs> it kind of sucks. So a series of really uh, tweets from David Lynch uh, yeah. came out last week. Um, about the Twin Peaks uh, reboot that was supposed to be happening Mm. next year. Uh, And he wrote, um, Dear Twitter friends, Showtime did not pull the plug on Twin Peaks. After one year and four months of negotiations, I left because not enough money was offered to do the script the way I felt it needed to be done. Uh, This weekend, I started to call actors to let them know I would not be directing. Twin Peaks may still very much be alive at Showtime. I love the world of Twin Peaks and wish things could have worked out differently. Mm. Sue, 
Awkward. Uh, and then Showtime released a statement saying, we were saddened to read David Lynch's statement today since we believe we were working towards solutions with David and his reps on the oh, few no. remaining deal points. Showtime also loves the world of Twin Peaks and we continue to hold out hope that we can bring it back in all its glory with both of its extraordinary creators, David Lynch and Mark Frost, at its helm. So... Right. It stalled over money. It sounds which, like it was almost a bit of a surprise but not money, to the studio as well, yeah. which is really strange. Is it, it's not money that he wanted, though. It's money that he wanted, you know, the actual budget rather well, than needed money. For the film. No, I, I left because not enough money was offered to do the script the way I felt it needed to be done. Okay. I, I don't know. You can read that a couple of ways, can't you? Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of these deals break down because of money and mm. because of wages and things, but we don't get to hear that. Okay. It's, we're told creative differences and things like yeah. that. Yeah. He's gone public with it. So either he's playing hardball with them, saying, look at what the public reaction to this is. Yeah. You've got to do this with me. I want another $5 million. Yeah. Or he just might be being very honest and saying he's done with that world, but... Have you seen the actors video that they put out? No. So it's really, really good. It's like you should check it out. So it's basically um, Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like, and they have all the cast um, say, you know, like say it's like uh, pie without cherries and things like that. Right. So they have, but they have all the cast oh, film, wow. it, film their own little sections going. Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like, and everyone does their own. Oh really wow! Thing. And it's really good because you get to see all the cast. Like I haven't seen some of them for a while. Um, and it's it also that's kind of an adorable idea they're filmed in a variety of sort of quality and ways and things like that um, but it's it's an interesting video so that makes you sound like they're on his side so yeah, yeah definitely uh, but at the same time a lot of them haven't done had a huge amount of success since that show ended so this is kind of getting some of them back on track exactly so this is a cash cow that they're potentially kind of kissing goodbye to but I don't think it it would never go ahead without him, I guess. How many how many episodes did he direct? Like is it six or nine or th- something like that? It's not very many, but mm. he was the executive producer so he saw, you know, yeah. he oversaw everything. But yeah. can you do it without him? Would it like the backlash on it would just be terrible, yeah. I think. I think you'd get a lot of people boycotting it. Yeah. I really do. I wouldn't watch it. No. To be honest, I didn't like the idea of it anyway. Yeah. I just didn't want it back. And I love the show, but I mm. feel like it was very much of its time, of its place. It changed TV. Mm. And I don't think you need to go back 25 years later when everyone's older and try and recapture yeah. that because it, there was a magic to it. Yeah. And a weirdness. And I, th- I can feel myself sitting there thinking they're trying too hard now yeah. to kind of... That's the thing. I think some of the, some of the stuff that, like, when you rewatch it now, and I've rewatched it really recently, it's good, but it's it's quirky in a way that is interesting. But it's not an easy watch. Like a lot of people talk about Twin Peaks in this sort of like like it like this really odd sort of but still funny, almost like Tim Burtonish way. It's not like that at all. It's no. not easy to watch that show. And I think if it came out now. Yeah, it, it was just yeah. unique at the time. Yeah, as well. exactly. And, uh, yeah, there's been there's been pretenders to it, and there's been mm. stuff that I like it, and there's stuff that's maybe done it better, you know, a, yeah. a True Detective or something. But I um yeah, I've never gone back to watch it either. I just really? don't. I just want it to remain what it was, which was amazing, like yeah. mind blowing at the time. And Twin Peaks: Fire Mortem is one of the scariest films I've ever seen, even mm. though it seemed to get terrible reviews across the yeah. board. But it's just there. It's of it's of a play. And I was a certain age as well. Like, I don't think I want to see it now. I'm yeah. an old man. So you think this is, would be it for the show? Do you think they would continue with a different director? Or I don't they... think so. I don't think so. No. I, but I wouldn't be surprised if they actually renegotiate with him in it. In it you think so? Yeah. Because, I mean, usually when these kind of issues and problems go public, there's, I never really see it resolved. Is there uh, a famous one that has been I was resolved trying to think, publicly? Yeah, like... You can think of? After a big 
public feud. Yeah, yeah, I just can't think of one right now. <laughs> I can't. I can. There are yeah. there are some where people have just gone balls Sorted out and out got what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we are. Uh, what have you so. got, Gav? Anything that's been annoying you? Not so much annoying, but it doesn't fit into the good one. It doesn't fit <laughs> into the good category. So it's more like grey. Uh, the Star Wars um, first. The first Star Wars six films are being released uh, digitally for the very first time, yeah. yeah, which is awesome. But they're the 2004 DVD releases, so they're the, the sort of tinkered with ones, yeah. um, which has pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, um, because a lot of people just want to see the original one because they haven't been able to see them anywhere for ages mm. legally. Um, I think you can you can obviously torrent them and stuff like that, sure. but they're still not you know properly remastered or anything like that. So I think a lot of people are a little bit annoyed that they don't have that choice mm. to be able to watch a fully like HD remastered version yeah. of the original trilogy. Um, but you know that's what that Star Wars as it exists now. That's what it is. And like me and Dan did a Rebel Base this week, um, which you can check out, which is about our favorite, uh, the best changes that George Lucas made to mm-hmm. the films and like I think a lot of people don't realise as well that he went back and changed it wasn't just the original trilogy he was tinkering with like when uh, Phantom Menace uh, Clone War, uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith all went to DVD he made changes to all of them mm-hmm. because you know for budget reasons he couldn't do yeah. I think the famous ones they they remade they took Yoda who was a puppet in Phantom Menace and made him the CGI one which is what he'd intended to do all along but just ran out of time for whatever reason yeah um so there are some good changes to them, I think, and like so you can watch on Rebel Base, like the ones that we really, really think. Like one of them that you know it, I think is perfect example is they change uh, Emperor Palpatine in Empire Strikes Back because at that point Ian McDermott hadn't signed signed on, but then he signed on for Return of the Jedi. So you see him as the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, but then in Empire Strikes Back, the Emperor that you see is sort of it's actually Rick Baker's wife with chimpanzee eyes, uh, sort of superimposed on her face. <laughs> And a different guy's voice as well. Which I wish yeah. they kept. <laughs> yeah. Sounds amazing. Mrs. Baker. Not <laughs> the chimp eyes. Exactly. Um, so there's a couple, but there are a couple of changes. So that's the thing. It's it's a cool bit of news, but it's also not mm. the most amazing news that people. Yeah. Have every wanted. time I, I hear people bring up about the you know the changes that they made, it yeah. always seems to be people talking about the negative ones. Yeah. And highlighting all the the negative changes. You really like the kind of really unnecessary things that yeah. were thrown in there for the sake of being capable of adding them in now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do, I never really see people highlight just the, um, I mean, if you go back and watch even some like the original lightsaber battles and things like yeah. that, some of the effects just look, I mean, cause you're used to some of the new films mm. where yeah. it just looks fantastic and you really take it for granted. Yeah. And then when you go back and watch the originals, yeah, it, it, mm. I mean, there are some, some definitely some good changes to the films. But they're allowed to look like that. They were made yeah. in 1977. That's true. And it's I know it lacks consistency across the six films or however many there's going to be now, but mm. so be it, you know? Like, that's it's of a time and a place that it's what we were reared on and, like, yeah. that's how I saw it. It's just, as as everyone agrees, I think, yeah. you just want the choice. Yes. He, lets, yeah. he can have his versions and a new generation can have that version yeah. and maybe people that grew up on the originals can have their version. Yeah but we're not being given that at the moment. But there are some new extras as well, aren't there? There's yeah. some new documentaries and things. We've got a clip on the site about the Millennium Falcon, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah. It's good. Yeah, well, it's about time. Yeah. 
And uh, I believe there is something else. Another TV show is returning, is it not, Gav? It is, yeah. And we've talked about this for the last two weeks on the podcast, so I had to stick it in again. Um, but it has been almost conf- like 100% confirmed. It has been confirmed. It has, yeah. okay. Arrested Development producers. is coming back for more episodes. <coughs> so kind of, you know, like you and Twin Peaks, even though it's not on that kind of level, like I love the first three series and mm. kind of wish they just left it there. Yeah. Um, but. I'm well. I'm a little bit different because, I, well, I'm the same. Absolutely love the first seasons. I think I was a little bit more forgiving of the fourth uh, okay. than people. I didn't come at it with a too critical of a mind. I was pretty excited about yeah. it, it coming back. So I generally enjoyed the fourth season, and mm. I think um, a lot of the restrictions they had with creating that season, like uh, the conflicting schedules that meant, you know, they had to shoot a lot of things apart yeah. and kind of tie it all together. I don't think that's going to be a problem in the new season. Why? I just don't think it will be. <laughs> Based on nothing. Based on, well, I mean, if they, if, if they, if they were busy then, they're going to be even more they freaking knew busy was, now. If they knew it was a concern and it caused so many issues, I don't think they would be moving forward with another season facing those exact same scheduling well, issues. Well, you, you heard it here first. This you is an IGN exclusive. There are some <laughs> scheduling <laughs> issues on the season of Arrested Development. I like how you put so much effort into that fucking of Duty. Dr. Salim was the Birdman of India. I want everyone to know that. Migration studies, okay? Okay. Don't forget this. I mean, is there any more um, info you had about any of these other stories you're not telling us? I has, has David Lynch I started, resigned? I started with the Black Ops one, and then I blinked, and an hour had gone by, and I was yeah. neck deep uh, in in the conspiracy of the century. Well, I'm still working on getting a prominent Arrested Development cast member in here for the podcast. So you wish we stopped putting it in the podcast next month? Them off. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just saying we'll I'll try press. and we'll get the skinny from this person yeah. and hope they don't listen to previous episodes like this one. I Excellent. bet they won't have any scheduling problems, so they could probably <laughs> maybe, that, maybe <laughs> that's why okay, you yeah. can't get him in. Um, should we do some feedback? Let's do yeah. it. Uh, I'm going to start off. Uh, so last week we talked about age ratings for games, uh, whether parents should be responsible for what kids watch how responsible teachers should be it's a very complicated issue and we got some really great feedback okay um i'll kick off with a uh, piece of feedback from travis bowditch who says uh when deciding what games your kids can play it's a lot more complicated than you think there are things that scare us as grown-ups because we understand what they mean and many things that don't scare us because we know when it's fantasy but can terrify a child Personally, I think the most responsible thing to do is play the game with your children. Letting them play anything without helping ad- uh, without helping an adult to help filter and provide context to new information is when kids learn the wrong things. I saw a lot of films not intended for children, but always with my parents to explain and assure me what I was seeing was or wasn't real, or what it might mean to me. Uh, Travis is an avid gamer, and he's actually given a bunch of examples okay. of games that he's played with his kids, and how you might not think it would be weird or upsetting but actually it's more complicated than you think right uh i'm not going to read them all out but tell me i'll read out the names of the games tell me if you want how how it went with him and his kid well how how old is his kid uh i think seven year old boy okay so or a five-year-old girl as well okay how about how about if you read the the name of the game (laughs) and then we'll say if we would allow our hypothetical child to play it okay okay I'll start with a tough one here try explaining alcoholism and child abuse to a seven-year-old boy don't just don't why is why have you exposed into that in the first place? Papa and Yo, Papa and Yo, that is. Have What's you heard, Papa do you know? and Yo? I shouldn't have started with that one. <laughs> <What's> that? Uh, <laughs> what is this? In fairness, maybe that's not an adult game. Maybe that's a child game, and you know he's drinking and falling over and stuff like that. That happens. 
You've got to explain that. Like, that happens in Dumbo. You know, Dumbo uh, gets drunk, you have to explain what getting pissed is to your kid. So really sorry, else. I shouted then, but I'm not... What about, this, what about this game? Horrific aliens, ghost and zombie-like creatures. Fast and brutal. My son loved it. It's basically Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, power costumes. No fear at all. Yes. That's a big game. That's a big game. Do you know what it is? No, oh, I don't think so. Uh, Street Fighter? Halo? Destiny. Destiny. Oh, how oh, is kind of close. Yeah, I mean, the violence in Destiny isn't, I wouldn't say graphic, um, but there's a lot of shooting people, there's a lot of killing. But it's all kind of the fantasy alien eyes. Yeah, like exactly. yeah. All right, how about this one? Fairly brutal fighter game. It's like a cartoon for them. They're not bothered at all. Street Fighter. Street Fighter? Injustice, Gods Among Us. I was going to say Mortal Yeah, Kombat. Injustice, that's fair enough. Like, yeah, that's, side scroller. That's got loads of. But then I, I guess that is quite. That is super violent. That's. But it's cartoony. Like, it wasn't cartoony. Didn't bother it, I mean, it's all it's, superheroes as well. Injustice and it's, it's not quite like Mortal Kombat, where it's like literally no. ripping people apart and horrible kind of stuff. Uh, what about like this one? Daughter hid every time the dragon characters were on the screen. Skyrim? I have no idea. Journey. Journey, okay. I never played Journey. Journey is an odd one because there's some weird stuff going on in Journey, like existential, odd sort of feelings and things like that. Plus, you're playing with other people as well. You're yeah, playing. You complex. can. You can. You can play multiplayer online. You can't speak to them, so that's good. But I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd let my kid play Journey because I just don't think they would get anything out of it. Uh, well, this one, fine on creative, lots of fighting with each other. The pressure during survival mode took some getting used to. Minecraft. Minecraft, yeah. indeed. Obviously, Minecraft is a uh, big one yeah. for kids, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think we've got more on that. But it's really interesting. There's a lot. There's some good stuff here, Travis. It's just really interesting how different games can yeah. can affect children in different ways. That you know, he obviously knows his kids, and he knows you know he's sitting down with them and you know playing explain this stuff. stuff. Yeah. But then you know that's fair enough. But then. People, what we're talking about is how to police this stuff and sure. how to regulate it. And by that, they're talking about, you know, what if he, what if his kid goes in now and starts talking about destiny with someone with a little child who can't deal with it? And yeah. his, his parents not there. This is what this entire thing about schools getting involved has happened yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And I think we got more emails on that yes. front. Rory. Yeah, I've got another one here. Um, I've got three. Rory, come here on. It is. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Uh, I'm writing in about last week's topic of kids playing over games that they aren't supposedly old enough for. My son is 10 years old and I'm comfortable with him playing a game like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed, both of which he has a good collection of. I do draw the line with certain games though. Recently, games uh, Gears of War has been uh, oh, revealed as game of the month with gold and I feel like something like this is a step too far. Mm. I'm comfortable that he wouldn't start running around pretending to be Marcus Phoenix, screaming Razor Hail at his friends, but I feel like this game contains too much gore and is a bit too dark for him. Similarly, I wouldn't let him play GTA, as I believe uh, it's massively inappropriate. As a gamer myself, I've normally played these games first so I can get a gauge of what's included. I do understand certain parents, members of the public, who uh, don't play games themselves getting upset at the thought of a 10-year-old playing a game like COD, but I know he understands that it's just a video game. But then he completely like goes against what he's saying. He's saying that he's not. You'll let him play Call of Duty because it, he knows it's just a video game. But then he won't let him play Gears. But what about the Call of Duty level from Modern Warfare Three, where you have to gun down a bunch of civilians as and a terrorist? The airport How do you awful. explain to a child who's ten years old that that's just a video game? I don't agree with that. Well, I don't. I I, I don't know because he didn't specif- uh, yeah. specify which of the Call of Duty titles that he was playing. Yeah. Because a lot of them. Um, a lot of the more recent ones. I mean, there there is violence involved, but a lot of the the people who are playing the Call of Duty games are playing it for the the online multiplayer, That's right, and the competitive yeah. side of it. Which, 
you know, there's there's nothing wrong. There's no gore, if any gore at all, in that it's basically just competitive shooting. Yeah. I mean, the worst things you're going to get with games like that is the online community, yeah. <laughs> which is can be way which worse is way than worse, the, yeah. the which the, is why these the games, games have these age ratings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think. Obviously, parents know their kids. That's absolutely fine. But that's not the issue here at all. It's not about just not just about your kids. And this is an interesting one. This is from Cameron Hill, uh, who's a teacher. It says, I really have to engage in what you guys were talking about ratings in episode 274. I'm a grade five teacher at a small rural primary school of about 210 students. I've been there for seven years and I've seen a complete generation changing kids when it comes to games and movies. It really struck a nerve as I, I and my colleagues are so frustrated with the parenting of this generation of kids. I would say out of 22 students, more than half have played GTA 5 and regularly play Call of Duty online. What has struck me, though, is the behavior of these kids in this generation are more violent and less focused. And then they go on to say, you know, this is all about poor parenting. And, you know, they're, they're basically teachers are becoming parents now because people who, kids who are being allowed to play Call of Duty mm-hmm. are going to come in, having played Call of Duty, talking with their friends about it. That, those kids are going to go away, one, knowing what's in Call of Duty, but then putting pressure on their parents as well. Yeah. Like, I, I think I had an argument with my um, sister because she let my niece watch... Uh, made in Chelsea and the only way is Essex and she's 11 years old like I really had a massive argument I couldn't believe that she was letting her watch that absolute shite because (laughs) they're not go role models at all but my my sister said look you try telling your daughter that she can't watch something that her entire friendship group is watching and then she is just basically you know her friends are sort of not bullying her but everyone you get left behind because of her yeah I mean it's gotta be difficult as a parent I don't agree with that but you're kind of faced with that choice whether to you know alienate your kids in a sense from something and i guess it's because because games like minecraft and call of duty are such a huge part of um of a a kid's life and a kid's culture it's it's got to be really difficult to draw the line and i think i mean there are some games that have you can cust like gore settings and customize the level of graphic violence and things like that uh but obviously that only affects to a certain degree Mm. um when I was growing up, my parents were actually pretty strict with this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I remember I got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas one year, and it came with uh, GoldenEye for yeah. the Nintendo 64, which I think at the time was rated a 12, right. and I was 11. And they literally wouldn't let wouldn't let me play the game oh, really? until I turned 12. <laughs> and I think I Did think, you have any other games? Or are you just sitting there just looking just, at the console? I, like, any day I had now. Majora's Mask, which is okay, infinitely yeah. more terrifying. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I mean, I'm a very rare case because I literally, I think when I got it, I was like, it's fine, I can play it. And so I started playing at the start and I had nightmares. Mm. And I mean, it's so, it's, <laughs> it's so weird to think because you look back and these are like the most square, unhuman, unrealistic things in yeah. the world. You're walking around like a block person. At the time, though, it looks At the time, awesome. like, yeah. And I had weird dreams that I was like shooting people and stuff. Yeah. Um, That's so why I, they have those age ratings there because and, you and can't handle it. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just... It makes sense. I do get the the, uh, the importance of being a parent and playing through these games. Yeah. And kind of, children are different as well. There are some kids who are able to handle this kind of stuff. Yeah. There are some who aren't. Um, that being said, with my parents being strict, you know, there were films like The Matrix and things that were above my age rating, but my yeah. parents would be like, you know, this is a great film. We think you're old enough, that mm. kind of thing. So I guess it's a level of balance. But I mean, I had that growing up. Like, I didn't get to see films that my friends had seen just okay. because I my parents were a bit more strict with this kind of thing. And uh, it's difficult at the time, but, you know, these things kind of pass. Yeah. And you just got to, it's, it's your own judgment if your child can deal with it or not. I got an email from Den who says, just into the podcast where you were talking about censorship and ratings. I'm 23 now and growing up, I can only remember two times my parents wouldn't let me watch certain things. The first was when South Park first came out on Channel 4. 
I told my dad to tape it for me, which he did. However, after recording it, he told me in the morning, I'm not allowed to watch it <laughs> because it was filth and rubbish. <laughs> uh, he wasn't very good at hiding things, so I ended up watching it anyway while he was at work. Yeah. Um, it is filth, but it's not rubbish. Uh, the other thing I was told I can't watch was The Exorcist, when my older sister had borrowed it. My mum said that she had watched it when she was younger and it really disturbed her, so she didn't want me watching it. Apart yeah. from these, though, I was pretty much allowed to watch and play whatever I wanted. I think my parents did a good job enough raising me so that I knew what was acceptable and what was not in real life. I didn't have any trouble separating film and video games from real life. I think the rating systems we have on games and films are a good indicator for parents. But I think you should still always make your own mind up what your kids can watch and play. For me, though, I feel like because the violent games I was playing didn't look at all realistic because of bad graphics or physics it was easy for me to separate that from reality i do wonder if the oculus rift will make that more difficult to do for young children in the future i don't think as a kid though you would recognize oh there's bad graphics in this you wouldn't reckon you like you only saying that because you're looking back on it now and the same as you know you're only saying yeah. like golden eyes all blocky because you're looking back now at the time there's no way you would have mm. gone oh this isn't realistic you'd have gone no this is like the best thing that is out there right now exactly i'm sure in but Ten years become, from now, we'll be looking back at games yeah. that we think is groundbreaking. We'll be like, this looks like... The it's stuff becomes more immersive, though. Is it not more harder to, to make that separation? I guess so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, the, the big fear about playing the board game of Dungeons & Dragons, that people were getting lost in this fantasy world and not yeah. being able to come out. So it's... It's was that really a thing? It's yeah, it was a thing. thing. There, that's, there was, that's true. there yeah. was supposedly murders based on <laughs> oh. people that were into the game. And it was like, well, no, it was all crazy. It all seemed crazy, but... Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, there's always going to be some kind of like moral panic about something. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, video games is a huge. So at the yeah. moment, it's, it's not. It's just in the spotlight at the minute for like yeah. the media scare. The Heavy metal music must be just like so happy that they <laughs> yeah. <play> because <laughs> they had it rough for a bit. Yeah. But now we've moved on to video games, so it's fine. But it's great getting those emails. Yeah, uh, really and, and we can keep talking about this. It's Definitely. interesting what parents are going through, what teachers are going through, mm-hmm. yeah. and what you as yourself as kids are going through. You know. Yeah. So let us know. Should we move on to something more yes, lighthearted? Yes, Thank you. <laughs> Rory. I have an email here from Kevin Tarn. So me and a few fellow duck hunters got into a bit of a debate about the current gen of consoles, and more specifically their life cycle. So my question is, do you think PlayStation and Xbox will stick to the 10-year life cycle of their consoles, or could we see another console in three or four years because they're already struggling to run games at 60 frames per second, 1080p? Well, I don't think they are struggling to do that. I think developers are just struggling to make games that are using the console to its full capacity. I mean, if you look at, like, GTA V, that came out right at the end of the Mm -hmm. 360 and PS3's life, but they're still able to run it. I think, you know, it's it's so early doors for these consoles yet, and developers don't know how to use them to their full capacity yet. So, no, I don't think so. I mean, I have no opinion about the 10-year thing. Yeah, I think... uh it's it's still too early on in the game to mm. I mean, the consoles when a, when a console originally launches, for example, the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, mm. the approach that people have to making games for that console drastically changes from the launch date to the final date. Yeah. I mean, like the way that people are going about making the games are just completely different. And even um, more recently, uh, there were games that were unlocking certain parts of the Xbox One to give more CPU power yeah. to increase. Uh, the game's potentials, and I think you might see a bit more of that, especially yeah. with like the PlayStation Four. I just, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, consoles are too big and too expensive of a piece of equipment to have a shorter life cycle yeah. than that. Yeah, I don't think people put up with that. I've got an email from Stephen Lamont, which I really love. The subject is current gen slash next gen confusion dash solution. <laughs> 
I listen to a lot of podcasts, particularly gaming ones, and for some time now I've noticed a common problem when discussing the console generations. For example, most people talk about current gen, next gen, last gen, new gen, etc. But this can cause confusion for the listener, because we might know what type of console the speaker is referring to. My solution to this problem is simple. So this is a simple I'm solution. I'm so excited. Why don't we refer to them by their number? Xbox 360, PS3 and Wii were 7th generation, and Xbox One, PS4 and Wii U are 8th generation. 7th gen, 8th gen. Simple. In the years to come, it also makes sense when talking about truly next gen, because we could say 9th generation, and it makes sense to everyone. Does it, Stephen? No, it's not. Absolutely nailed it. I'm on board with Stephen here. Absolutely nailed it. Uh, Who do we need to speak to to make this happen? (laughs) I'll get on a blower with uh, everyone now. Yeah. Uh, and I have an email to finish off okay. from a friend of the podcast, Carl Barrett, who says, Hey guys, and Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt! Duck Hunt! Uh, a few weeks ago, you mentioned binge watching shows, and whenever I binge watch a show, I tend to forget what happens a lot more than if I just watch one episode a week. Yeah. When I came to watch season three of House of Cards, I'd forgotten a lot of season two, which I'd binge watched. This is probably because there was not a week between episodes, and therefore no time to think about the individual episodes and what might happen in the next. Yeah. This is why I will still be taking my time with Daredevil and why watching Better Call Saul once a week was a refreshing experience. Am I alone in this, or do you have the same problem? I, I sort of am, but I'm sort of not. I kind of do agree on the House of Cards things, definitely, because that did happen to me. I watched all in one, and then by the time season two came along, I was re- I, I hadn't done a refresh and had a look, and I'd only ever watched it once. Yeah. But... Uh, it absolutely killed me seeing that there was only three minutes left of Mad Men and knowing that I had to wait an entire week mm. to be able to see another one like absolutely killed me. Um, so I kind I of I, I don't really get with the side of like memory like I don't want to binge it because I'll forget yeah. what happened. But I don't really mind this kind of weekly format because I kind of like for with Game of Thrones for example I kind yeah. of like being in the hype and being with the community and yeah, watching an episode then you have you know the whole week to like talk about it and get yeah. excited for the next one and it makes it a bit more of an ordeal yeah. i think if someone gave me the opportunity to watch all of game of thrones the new season just yeah. straight in a row i wouldn't want to do it i'd want to stick with the uh yeah that is a rash rash claim, i watched but, the first uh, three series of game of thrones by the time i came to it I, there was three full series to watch so i watched yeah. all like that i was the same i had to binge yeah. just to catch up with people but watching the fourth one and having to wait week to week you're right it, it was hard but at the same time i did generally enjoy sort of um like one of my favorite websites is vulture and i think they do their tv stuff amazingly like after mad men finished after i watched mad men I went on Vulture and there was just so many amazing articles about different tiny, tiny bits that people had noticed. And last year, they they started getting this like, just all over the internet, there was these really weird sort of rumors and conspiracy theories about Mad Men. And I don't think you would get that in the same way if people didn't have this sort of week to pontificate over, you know, tiny bits of an episode. It may be like a cliffhanger, but then if you have the, you know, being string to you, you just pa- breeze right exactly, through it. You don't yeah. have that time to uh, look up ludicrous theories about yeah. Indian bird doctors. Exactly. You know, you need that time. And, to... and I like that week for it to percolate in my mind as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's partly because we've been programmed that way from watching TV all my life when mm. it was once a week. This is all brand new, this this binge watching. Uh, or it's pretty new, I guess, Box yeah. Set started it off. Mm. But I, I, I still like having time to think about it, especially when yeah. it's something like Mad Men, where there's a lot going on under, under the surface. Yeah. And it's it's about, it's it's more like kind of a, I don't know, an atmosphere and a tone to it yeah. that, that kind of you're in that world. And more than one or two in a row. And I, I just feel like I'm not getting as much out of yeah. it as when it, I'm fresh to it each time. I've never watched Mad Men in a block either. So I think maybe that's why I'm yeah. sort of, I'm pining to watch it like that even though I'm really not, because I've, I've always watched it like pretty much from the beginning. So I've, I've always had to watch it week by week. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. 
I don't know. But there are sometimes, you know, when something ends, when an episode ends and you're just like, oh man, I could watch another couple of episodes of that. Yeah. Like, I think it's just that well, feeling. Something like 24 yeah. felt very Moorish. Mm. Uh, because of the way it was designed to end on a cliffhanger course, each yeah. week, so that those kind of shows, I think it works a bit better for. Yeah. But I agree with you. I liked, I liked, um, and this week I liked Better Call Saul. I liked waiting a week between each of those. Yeah. Why do you think they released it like that? Uh, because it was airing on the TV each week in the states. Right, it's okay. not a Netflix show in the states. It's ah, on a TV right, channel. Okay. So, so it's only Netflix, Netflix in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So it's the same, thing, same sort of deal that they had with the last season of Breaking Bad then, because yeah. we had that like every week as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Huh. Interesting. Mm. So what is out this week? I hear games-wise, we've got something to do with bread. Yep, yeah. I Am Bread is out, which sounds ridiculous. It's actually quite good. Yeah, I like the look of it. Yeah, it's um, Bossa Studios, who like uh, North London or East London, and they did a game called Surgeon Simulator. Love uh, Surgeon which, Simulator. Like, yeah, it's just like an internet favorite, so basically where you pretend to be a surgeon. <laughs> uh, and this is a kind of similar. They're really good at sort of like physics-based stuff. Yeah. And with this, you control every corner of a piece of bread, <laughs> and your mission, as you know, most bread, like their you know main mission in life, is to become toast. So you have to toast. make yourself Better toast. Yourself. Yeah. Evolve in a exactly. sense. Exactly. You have to make yourself toast by any means necessary. Mm. So you can, but you control four corners. It's so hard to do. And like the more, like you start off in a kitchen and the more stuff you pick up, like there's ants in the kitchen. If a plate breaks and you you can you get a bit of plate stuck to you, you can drop on the floor. And every time something like this happens, your edibility goes down. And <laughs> of course. you, you want to finish with the most possible edibility by getting to the toaster, like making your way across the kitchen to the toaster. Um, and if you, you know, if, if you fail by dropping on the floor for too long or your edibility goes down, then you're dead. Your toast, but see your toast. You're not toast. <laughs> you're not. You're the opposite. That's the point of it. You're not toast. I'm imagining you're like brown a, bread. Yeah, brown bread. Excellent. Mm. <laughs> I'm imagining sort of like a like a, a Toy Story scenario where the yeah. mum will walk in and you have to just freeze. It, it, it sort of does like have that kind up. of thing because there is like a storyline going along. It's not a, like a really in-depth one, <laughs> but there is a storyline about this guy basically who is convinced that there's this sentient bread trying to wreck his life. He keeps coming home and his house is a mess. And he's like, no, it was the bread. It was the bread. And he's, you know. That's, that's really funny. Yeah. It, like, Boss Studios are amazing like that. They don't take themselves seriously, like, but they create, you know, these games which are just ridiculous to play, like really, really good fun. They're good at yeah. like looking at, like, they look good at looking like a really, really good um you know, taking one mechanic and just running with it. Yeah, And yeah. I think that's really good about it. Rich has just glared at me from the gallery. I think we've been going a bit too long. Have we? He's, he's not got a happy face on. You can't oh, censor no. us, Rich. Um, <laughs> Free spirits. All right. Is that it for games? Well, Titan Souls is out on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and that's another really, really good game. Um, it's basically kind of... It's called Titan Souls, so, you know, it's kind of... Uh, Titans, as in there's a lot of bosses, souls, because you die a lot, and it's kind of like the Dark Souls and Demon Souls games. Yeah. You basically, you're uh, a hero. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like eight, like so eight bit, like Zelda, sixteen bit, kind of like that. It looks cool. really, really cool. It's got like a nice chip team soundtrack, which you're gonna love as well. Yes, and I will. You're basically your task is to defeat all these bosses, but you only have one heart of life, so one hit and you're dead. Oh and you only have one arrow. That's the only weapon you've got. So. You shoot an arrow. <laughs> you beat anyone. So, and because you shoot an arrow, you have to go. If it misses, you have to go back. Oh, and pick, right. You have okay, to go back okay. and pick it up. Uh, it's it's. So <sighs> I played that E three last year. I sat down to play and thought, doo, 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 this is okay, and then was just screaming. So I think we're going to do a let's play on it um, this week. But like I think. good, difficult, like really good. Difficult? It's okay. really <laughs> when you when you finally kill a boss. 
Probably it's, it's the most rewarding way to do it. I think when I did it, I'd managed to do it in a really cool way, um, which really impressed one of the developers. And Because they'd been watching me be shit at it for about 25 minutes. And when I finally managed to kill it, they were like, you're the only person who's managed to kill it like that. And I'm like, yes. Maybe, when, they're, uh, maybe they're just being nice. I, I, had, a, I had a moment like that in uh, Majora's Mask where the last boss you have to beat are those, uh, those twin snakes that mm. go around. And you have to kill them by turning into a giant, uh, use up all your magic. Essentially, my magic ran out, and it was like the third day, the world was ending. I was really, really bummed out because this was like the fourth time I was trying yeah. it. I was essentially just firing arrows into the, the dust because you can't even really see them when you're yeah, small. Yeah. I just fired one. I just heard, nice. and I killed them. Random headshot through the uh, the dust storm. Good work. It was amazing, very satisfying. Nice. Uh, the only other game I was going to bring up was Pokemon Rumble World, which actually was released for free on 3DS. <laughs> So, if you have a free DS, I would recommend downloading it for free. It's kind of interesting because it's definitely Nintendo moving more towards the mobile side of things. Because it's a free game that you can download and you can play. It's reasonably entertaining. Yeah, there's but almost stuff immediately, you've got to buy though, right? Immediately, yeah, they're kind of saying like, man. hey, if you want to do this, you can buy crystals and buy things. No. So, you kind of get some entertainment from it. And it's a free game, so you can't really complain. You get to play as like a I lot can. of different Pokemon. No. But it's... Not for that. Well, I'm for it. There's loads of awesome movies out, though. There's loads of films out this yeah. week, so I'm going to go from bad to good. Okay. Um, Hot Tub Time Machine 2's out, which I hear is the worst film of the year. Ooh. I haven't seen it, but apparently it's even less funny than Get Hard and even more offensive. Mm. So, And they replaced John Cusack with Adam Scott. Adam Scott is a funny guy, mm, but... Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul Blart, Mall, Cat, Mall Cop Ugh. 2. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't see Paul Blart Mall Cap 1. Mall Cop. I can't even was, say it. Yeah. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I know it'd be up your street. It's your kind of movie, isn't it? No. <laughs> a big Kevin James, it's dude. Ju- you just don't, just don't take it seriously. Just don't. Have it on in the background while you're instead doing something. Of, instead of watching that, I would just like buy or rent Observe and Report, which is about another Mall Cop. It's got Seth Rogen in it, and it's a freaking amazing Or film. Die Hard. Unless you're Alex, because I told Alex to do that, and he hates his Observe and Report. Oh, so, really? Yeah, because I, I told him I loved it. It is really good. Um, <laughs> Lost River is out, which is Ryan Gosling's directorial debut. Ah. Uh, it's a very strange film. Strange good, You can't bad. knock him for ambition. <laughs> But he's kind <laughs> of the start. You it feels like yeah. it feels like he's definitely a he's solid. Watched beat. a lot of David Lynch, okay. and he spent a lot of time with Nicholas Winding Refn and okay. thought worked with him twice. Thought, oh, I like this as well. I'm going to fuse these two in this weird world. And Beast of the Southern Wild, I thought Ugh. was a bit of an influence. Mm. Uh, great actors in it: uh, Christina Hendricks, um, Matt Smith. Okay. Is he the, in it or is he just directing? He's in it. He, um, uh, he's he's not in it. He's not oh, in okay. it. It's a mess. It's a mess and it's boring. Oh, no. uh, but it's you know he's it looks it's something like yeah. he's really gone out on a limb and good for him. It's just maybe a bit pretentious and wasn't to me. There's a Kurt Cobain documentary out called Montage of Heck. I really want to see that. Yeah, I fancied it, but it's really long. Oh, how long is it? It's like nearly three hours, I think. Oh, God. So, That's quite um, long. And I read that. Um, Dave Grohl isn't in it at all, which is like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, so I guess he didn't want to be part of it because I'm sure they would have asked him, but yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm going to be sitting there thinking all the way through, I wonder what Dave Grohl thinks about this bit or that bit because he's such an integral yeah. part of that story. So and they didn't get him? No. Did they get the other one? I guess so because I, I read this in a review, like they were yeah. saying it's weird that he's not on board, but apparently there's lots of great stuff in it because he documented so much of his life himself on camera and stuff. No way. So yeah, okay. there's lots of photographs and things. Cool. So that'll be worth a watch. That's cool. That's good. Uh, good Killers Out, which is a film about uh, drone pilots, 
Um, it's really dark. It's Ethan Hawke. It's set in Las Vegas. It's like a really grim sequel to Top Gun, okay. where <laughs> Ethan Hawke used to be a fighter pilot, and now he just sits in a room in, in Las Vegas, yeah. an air-conditioned room with a joystick, uh, killing people from a distance, and not, and it's kind of made him numb. And... That does sound sounds good though. <laughs> it, it's it wasn't as I, like I didn't that. enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to yeah. uh, enjoy it, but I, I I found it a little bit boring. It's it's Andrew Nichol who wrote uh, Truman Show and did Gattaca with okay. with Ethan Hawke. Oh, I love Gattaca. It's got a lot to say, but I felt it was a bit heavy handed okay. and a bit obvious. Yeah. Um, but interesting. Like, there's going to be yeah. more stories like this, I think, because of. Um, the nature of how wars fought these yep. days. Yeah. Uh, next one, Force Majeure, which is something that you've seen, Gav. So why don't you talk about that one? I love it. It's my favourite film of the year, I think, mm. so far. Um, wow. And I actually saw it by accident. Yes. <laughs> how do because, you see a film by accident? Funny. Because I went to see the. I went to a press screening of The Voices. Uh, I walked in, and I maintain this is the PR's fault, right? <laughs> because I walked in to this screening room with this one downstairs and there's one upstairs. Yeah. And so high screening room, surely. Yeah. yeah. And the the PR guy said to me, I walked in. And I said force majeure, and he went, "Yep, uh, where are you from?" I said IGN, and he didn't he didn't have a like thing to tick me off or anything like that. So he said, "You would like a drink?" I said, "I love a cup of tea, thank you very much." Took my tea when I sat down. Is this essential to the story? It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> Set the mood. A bit of Chekhov's gun in there. Is the tea gonna come back at the end? Nice pull. Yeah. I uh, I sat down to watch the film, and it was running late. So I could hear the film downstairs had already started yeah. for about 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Then the credits came up for Force Majeure. It came <laughs> on. And The Voices is not like Force Majeure at all from what I understand. Well, it's in the English language. Yeah. Uh, Force Majeure isn't. It's Norwegian, is it? Or Swedish? I don't know. You're, you're, uh, you're the one talking about it's it. It's a Nordic language. <laughs> it's one of, the, one of the Nordic languages. Okay. And... It came on and it's subtitled. I hope. Yeah, it was. Okay. Sub- it was yeah. It, it, it was just. It was subtitled. But it came. It came on and there was like this. Before the credits come up, there's like a little scene, and I thought, well, maybe you know, some, maybe the, it might turn into the voices. I couldn't quite see who was in the helmet. <laughs> it's not Ryan Reynolds uh, who's in the ski helmet. No. And then Force Majeure came up and. Oh. Actually, I really wanted to see Force Majeure, and the film downstairs had already started, so yeah. I sat down. And I think you made a good choice. I, th- I think I made the right yeah. choice. Yeah, no, I've seen them, but it's a better film. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. It's basically about a decision that a man, a family man, makes. A father, he makes a questionable decision, which impacts his relationship with his wife and his kids and friends, mm. and it's discussed at length throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, they're kind of okay. trapped in, they're, they're holidaying the ski resort for the yeah. whole time, so it's quite claustrophobic that That's he can't right, really yeah. get away from this mistake that he made and yeah. how it how it affects the family. Yeah. And it's clever because, I don't know, initially when he does what he does, you think, oh, I wouldn't do that. And then by the end of the film, you're thinking, bloody hell, would I have done that? Yeah. Um, and it very much makes you doubt your own masculinity. Oh, 100%. So, so, <laughs> so you know what the, about, mis- yeah. you learn what the mistake is? Yeah, no, it's at the start. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the first... Okay. Uh, 10 minutes of the film. It's actually on the IMDb page as well, unfortunately, yeah. which I'm really oh. annoyed by. But it is, it's, it's super early on. But then it's basically this mistake is brought up again and again and again and discussed at length. And then another couple are sort of brought into it. And mm. that's really, it's, it's, it's dark, darkly funny. Yeah. But it's a really, really great film. It's, an interesting, it's a very interesting movie. Yeah. You'll come out feeling like less of a man, definitely. But my pick of the week is John Wick. John Wick is my pick because we talked about it for bloody months. John Wicked, I, I hear. I first reviewed it six months ago, I think, <laughs> at Fantastic Fest. Uh, it's just a really great 
action movie. It's okay. so much fun. It's made by guys who know what they're doing. They're two stuntmen. It's their first movie. They've spent years developing it with Keanu. So it's all done with him in mind, like what he can do acting-wise, what he can do action-wise. Mm. And it's just... It's just brilliant, and I really hope they get to do some sequels. We got a video up this week where I was, I was asking about that, and he's okay. he's pretty Seems confident. On board, yeah. yeah, the studio's confident. Um, but yeah, if you just want to switch your brain off and have 90 minutes of just absolute fun, watch popcorn fun. <laughs> <laughs> watch John Wick. But if you want to, if you want to be challenged, watch Force Majeure. Excellent, definitely. And Perfect. that is your lot for this week. Yep. Uh, as ever, you can get in touch with us on IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Yep. Uh, we are going to the pub, so thank you for watching and listening, and uh, see you soon. Bye. See you later. there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut melanie linsky i wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet jason ritter i can break things and pick locks and kill people michael stuhlbarg the whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better ari grainer no don't whet its appetite what are you an idiot me justin martha that's not just any egg cream that's a lemke's special and all narrated by the hilarious richard kind this is the story of harry dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.